listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast. It's the Guitar Tech Podcast. My name's Eric. I'm a guitar tech. Wouldn't you know, just by coincidence, I happen to be a longtime guitar builder and repairman. And today's co-host is my buddy, Nat. Hello, Nat. Hello. Boy, am I glad to be back here. Well, it's good to have you. I'll read my part. That's how glad I am. And then we can talk. Greetings. I will read the listener's submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Yes, I will. What do you think about 2024, New Year, old you? Yeah. Yeah. It's good so far, man. And the podcast, the pacing. You had a little break. Well, yeah, so we're going to do once a month. I think it's great. Do you? Yeah, I think it'll be good for you. Too. I just need more time in the shop. Yeah, you do. And the podcast, I love the podcast. I love doing it, uh, talking to you guys. It's, you know, it's, here's the deal. This podcast has enabled me to do a lot of things that I never dreamed, okay? Yeah. This podcast, I think, without this podcast, my book never would have happened. Yes. I probably never would have moved back to Idaho. No, because you wouldn't, Yeah. That's important, that reach. I mean, really, uh, there's a whole lot of things that this podcast has enabled. So I'm grateful that I started doing it 10 years ago. By the way, this is the 10-year anniversary of the podcast. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. But uh, I'm grateful that I started doing it because it, you know, and I had no inkling that, oh, this is going to be good for my business. Mm-mm. I just wanted a talk show. Yeah, like AM, 590. Yeah, right. Like, I just wanted to be the Art Bell of guitar, or the Paul Harvey of uh, guitar tech. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. That's good. Yeah, New Year. I wanted to note that, that this is the first of the new year, and I think it's great. And it's just going so great so far. So far, we have not hit the edit button once, but that's not why I called. What is on your bench lately, Eric? Uh, I have been working on a few neck resets on some Ooh. vintage acoustic guitars. Ooh. That's been fun. Did it make that popping sound when it finally uh, let yeah, loose? They, it's not quite a pop, but it's definitely a, it's a noise. Yeah. They make a noise when they release. Yeah, gosh. Uh, and I've been working on custom guitars, and I'm doing some uh, vintage Fender refins 
refinishing some old Fender guitars. You carefully avoided the word restoration, I think. Oh yeah, Good well, job. refins, Good. restorations, you know. Yeah. They're they're it's the I mean, it's the same kind of thing. But yeah, I'm refinishing a beautiful 1959 Fender Esquire. Oh man, that somebody uh, basically they like they chiseled out a neck oh. pocket cavity, like it looks like with a butter knife. We need a, one of them did, uh, parental advisories on this. You can't it was just rowdy talk like that. Have you seen? Did you? Did I show yes. you that? Yeah, it's. It looks like a Pepto Bismol um, commercial for. It's you need your antacids. Looking at that, if you're a professional luthier, yeah, it's rough. It's oh, yeah, it's definitely rough. So I have to fill the routes on that guitar Ooh. with some ash. I gotta, I gotta, it's, you know, you have to match the grain to really make it invisible because oh. I'm going to be doing a blonde finish, which is a little bit see-through, right? You see oh. the grain through the finish. So I gotta match the grain, square, I'll square off the routes with a router. Yeah, you can't just patch because it's an awful, like, backhoe gouge. Yeah. It's just dug out. Yeah. The way to do it, the way to fill routes, by the way, the way to do it is you make the patch first. Yeah. You don't route it out okay. first. because You make the patch first, and then you can route. You can uh, trace it. Yeah, you can route an exact, um, you know, yeah, hole for the patch to go in. It's like drywall. Yeah. Yeah, doing it the other way. If you did the route first, it'd be very hard to cut an exact patch to fit into the route. And then it's going to be blonde <clears throat> and stay in Esquire? Is that right? Uh, no, he wants it to have two pickups. Yeah, that's cool. And we might as well. I mean, it's it's this guitar's been so far gone. It has room for a few more. Through the, you through the ringer. Yeah, we might as well put a, a neck pickup in there. Yeah, but. and they're cool. Philosophically, it, we like Esquires, but... Yeah. Did, did I show you the neck? I can't remember. It's super cool. No, I don't think I saw it. It's super cool. It's in good shape. I mean, it has a lot of wear, you know, player wear and stuff, but the finish is original, and so it's going to look really nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because that is actually, it's harder to refinish a neck and have it look right. The body is actually easier. Yeah? It's easier to refinish a body and have it look right. Is it more uniform when it comes out? Does that help? Or? It's just hard to replicate real wear on a neck. It's yeah, really okay. hard. Yeah. And so when you get an, when you have a body, and this happens a lot, vintage fender, the neck is original finish, but the body's been stripped. Yep. You know, so they love that. Yeah. So you can leave the neck. You don't have to fake any wear on the neck. You just have to refinish the body and make it look worn. You know, I told you, and I showed you a picture, I was down in the Musical Instrument Museum in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yes. And I took that, I they, I took this interesting picture of an Esquire and a little Fender Champ that were a package deal in like 1954 or 56 yeah. for some guy, and he kept it together. And I thought the finish looked strange. Yeah, I you showed me a picture. I thought it looked strange too. Well, isn't that interesting? And but I thought the neck looked great. Good, looked very. Um, it had authentic normal wear. Mm -hmm. And I also thought it looks very much like the way that you do wear 
on yours, which is not like so much physical wear, but it looked just the same with the, these, um, finger, not indentations, but these marks and stuff. But that body was strange. Yeah. And it wasn't marked as refinished. No, I'd love to see that up close and take it apart and mm-hmm. authenticate it. Cause it's hard to tell from a picture. Mm-hmm. And it was probably hard to, t- was it like behind glass? No, it wasn't. It was out in the open, but you couldn't touch it, like roped off? Yeah, it was It was like two feet away. Yeah. And it had it had this strange, too much gloss for me. Mm-hmm. And then the grain was almost too present and a little bit sunken in to me. Mm-hmm. Like as if it hadn't been pore filled mm-hmm. totally. Um, and it was just kind of bright. It, yeah. There was something about m- slightly modernish looking about it. I thought it was mm. interesting, but maybe I don't know what a 1954 one looks like. I've seen some come through here, I guess. It's interesting when I've seen I've seen some really clean 50s fenders. Yeah, like under uh, the bed, not touched. Yeah. I've even seen some that like have no lacquer checking. And mm-hmm. it, it's confusing when you see it because you're going, is this real? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Because you expect it to have some wear. You expect mm-hmm. it to have lacquer checking. You expect the finish to be, you know, have big wear marks yeah. and have dirt rubbed into the yes. checking and, and nicks and dings and stuff. And it's kind of jarring when you see one that's so clean. Yeah, maybe unnatural. It's like yeah. a clean Beatles record. Like people actually used these things Yeah, in the old days. Uh, well, well, we that, have... That's we, interesting. We have some uh, phone calls. I would like to hear them. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, good evening, Mr. Eric, Mr. Nat. Oh, hi. Hope y'all had a great Christmas and hope you have a happy new year. Eric, congratulations on your uh, Stu Mac carrying your book. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, congratulations. I, I have one of them I bought from you. I love your blend circuit. I use that on all my, oh. all my, uh, strats. This dog is going nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Question is, string, trace. Uh, what is the break angle you're trying to achieve with those? Uh, is the vintage style, the so-called roller, and the actual roller, any of them actually any better than any of them? Uh, do you have to have them? Is, uh, I have one guitar, had two on it, one guitar had one. And if you're using, uh, staggered tuners, do you need them to strain trees then? Hmm. And it, if you do use them with the stagger, does that help? Or, yeah. Uh, just go in depth on those, on the strain trees, if you will, please. Sure. Uh, thank you. Hope y'all have a good day. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call. It's a good one. String trees. Yeah. Hyper specificity. I like this. Yeah. What do you think? Well, so 
the two main American electric guitar manufacturers, Gibson and Fender, you'll notice that Gibson doesn't use string trees. I've seen that, yes. Yeah. The reason for that is because Gibson's headstock is kicked back at an angle. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that break angle across the nut happens naturally going to the tuners without a string tree. So mm-hmm. Fender headstocks, the headstock is in the same line yeah. as the neck, and you end up with qu- not quite enough downward pressure on the high strings especially, and so they, they use string trees. There's really no big science behind it other than that. Um, without that downward pressure... In the nut, strings have a tendency to have uh, a a sitar-like buzz sometimes. Okay, yeah. And um, that can, you know, uh, there's Fender players who will just take a string tree off because they don't want them because they feel like it's easier to bend strings without the string tree. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that may be, and if you cut the nut just exactly right, you won't get those weird sitar overtones. Right. On the open strings. Uh, But what can happen if you're an aggressive player, uh, strings can actually jump out of the nut slot. If you're rowdy. If you get rowdy. So Mm -hmm. um, the string trees are there to facilitate a downward angle behind the nut, especially on the treble strings. And that's really all there is to it. There's no magic, you know formula that we're going for or measurements it's just adding a little bit of extra pressure pushing the strings down making sure that there's enough pressure against the nut mm-hmm. from the string at a secure angle yeah what and do you think of that i Matt? think that sounds right that i was just trying to think i don't know if there's a big mechanical difference there might be Right, if you extended the thought experiment, so what if it were really far? Would that make the playing length of the string feel different? It might, but you need a certain tension for the pitch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably somewhat superstition, but the practical aspects that you're talking about are real and important. Yeah, holding that thing in there. Yeah, they really are. You know, and it does. It does help. Uh, early on, like 50s fenders have one string tree. Yeah. And then later on in the 70s, they some models would have two. You'll have two string trees. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Now, but, what... what uh, uh, here's, here's... Go ahead. Here's something that I would say is that a properly set up fender and a properly cut nut will play just fine without a string tree. That's my opinion. Okay, yep. And it does have quite... It, it does still have an angle, you know. A little bit. But isn't... And now, is that what he was talking about with a staggered um, tuners, meaning they're staggered they, in height? They do right? make staggered, modern staggered tuners where the high E string is shorter and then it in, incrementally right. goes, you know, taller as you get to the low E. Okay. I think it's, it's in sets of two. So the the high E and the B string would be very short. The D and G string are kind of medium. Yeah, increase (laughs) that angle, yeah. The low E and and, and the A are taller. 
But yeah, that that gets a little more downward pressure. Oh. Um, uh, brake angle, you know, for for the string to have staggered tuners. The other way to do that, though, you can put a little bit extra string on those high strings, and if each wind is going beneath the previous wind, I do that. Yeah, it ends up low, coming off the tuner lower. Yeah, that seems to be an intuitive thing that people should really do. I don't know why. Yeah. The reason yeah. that I don't like that solution is that I don't want a whole lot of extra string on the tuner. I want just enough. Well, why is that? Because I feel like that is uh, too much string wrapped around the tuner can uh, lead to tuning problems because there's so much string there. And it, it can move and give and have some yeah. funny... Yeah. Yeah, and and maybe eccentricities in the wind. And, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Boy, we sure got mechanical. Oh, yeah, we got into string trees for you, buddy. Yep. Thanks for calling. Hello, Eric Daw and presumably presumably Nat. Um, I have a question about fretboard extension problems on an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. So I've heard mixed kind of opinions on this. It's a common problem for an acoustic guitar to either get a bump or have too much release. So too much drop over the fretboard extension, like the 14th fret forward, you get essentially frets that are too close. So when you're playing around, I hope I can explain this clearly. When you're playing around the ninth to the 14th fret, you're going to get a lot of buzzing and fretting out. I have heard that if you just take out fret 11 forward, so like 11 to 21 or whatever, and replane, sand down that fingerboard extension, and then reinstall the frets, that that um, resolves the problem. But I would love your take on it as well. Thank you so much. Hmm, you betcha. That's Rhett. Oh, Rhett's frets <clears throat> in yeah. Nashville, Tennessee or something like that? Oh, good old Rhett. Memphis? Yes, indeed. I think he's in Nashville. Uh, yeah, that is a common problem on acoustic guitars, and whenever I see that, I always suspect humidity problems. A guitar that has become too dry. It swells the wood where, it, where the neck meets the body? Yeah, what happens is when a guitar gets too dry, oh. um, it will the top the will top sink sinks. around okay. the sound hole. Okay. And so the fretboard extension sinks a little bit and then it you get a perceived hump right where the neck okay. meets the body. Yep. Right. So the first thing I would do on a guitar that I see like that, and this is, you know, partially due to the part of the country where I live in is very dry. Mm-hmm. We live in the high desert. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um the first thing I would want to do is humidify the guitar and then take a look at it after about a week of humidifying it and see if that's and changed, you, you know. Because yeah. you should be able to tell by looking at the guitar. If you know what you're looking at, oh, this guitar is too dry. Right? Hmm. Um, but there are guitars that have this problem that they're not too dry. They just have this problem. And it can be compounded by neck angle problems as well, you know. Like neck, potential neck uh, reset. 
Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Or um, I've seen a lot of, there's a lot of guys who will do a neck reset and not take into account, you know, they're kicking the neck back, but they're not taking into account the fingerboard extension and they just glue it back to the top. Oh. And so you end up with a, you got a nice straight neck up to where the neck meets the body uh-huh. and then it drops way off. Yeah. Now a little bit of fall away is okay. Fall away, good term. There you go. I don't. I I like to see a little bit of follow yeah, fall away. Have it. But um, yeah, you can have a guitar that has that an acoustic guitar that has a hump where the neck meets the body. Um, and when all else fails, yeah, you can pull those frets. So you can pull like like Rhett Fred there. You, like Rhett said there, you can pull uh, frets. I don't know, eleven ish, eleven to wherever, wherever the problem is, and uh, and sand down the problem spot, right? Um, is that how you do it? He mentioned planing. Yeah, right. You'd plane it with like a radius, with a radius block, okay, to keep the the radius in the fingerboard. Oh, radius, okay, and then reinstall the frets. Good. Um, it's hard to do that and make it look like nothing happened. Because, you know, we're usually dealing with a rosewood fingerboard here. And when you sand that down and reinstall the frets and then oil the neck, that freshly sanded section is going to suck up that oil because it's fresh, exposed wood. And you're going to end up with a dark spot of rosewood where the neck meets the body. Mm. So um, a way around that is I will... Um, sand and sand to very fine sandpaper and then buff the fingerboard before I oil it and that buffing and polishing the rosewood kind of makes it uh, look like old old rosewood like the rest of the neck but you know you just want to look at the rest of the neck mm-hmm. and try to match mm-hmm. what's going on with the rest of the neck but yeah this is this is one way to fix things for certain. Those are some good tips in there. I like it. You like it? Mm-hmm. I approve. Thanks for the call, Rhett. Let's see what else we got here. I think we have one more call. Let's check it out. Go ahead, caller. Hey, Eric. This is Brandon Hancock calling from the cornfields of Indiana. I hope this finds you well. Happy New Year. Hope 2024 is excellent for you. Thank you. Um, I... Haven't called in in a while, but uh, I've been tinkering more with uh, guitars lately rather than amps and uh, pedals and uh, getting back to a couple of guitar projects. And uh, I got a couple of questions that have stacked up in the queue, and I think I'll just spread them out maybe over a couple of episodes. But uh, to get us started, um, I'm interested in what you would say are the, the most important power tools for somebody that's starting to mess around with guitar work. Um, so maybe not like ready to build a acoustic guitar from scratch or, or even, you know, cut out uh, a body from a blank or something, not that level, but like making nuts and saddles and um, shims. I'm, I'm, for instance, I'm, I've got the neck off of a, an old silver tone arch top and uh, I'm having to kind of, fix and, and shim up the, the dovetail to, to re-glue it, and uh, I might 
have some other questions about that project later on. But, um, you know, for things like that, um, thinking about uh, routers and bench grinders and band saws and things like that, what would you say are the, the top three or top five most important tools in, in order of uh, ideal acquisition uh, that might be of interest to a couple other people besides just me, and I'd be interested in your thoughts about that as I continue to build up my my hobbyist workshop. Sure. So thanks so much, and y'all take care. See ya. Oh, yeah, you betcha, buddy. Good one. Thanks for the call. Yeah, it's a good question. How basic do you want to get, you know, because for me... The the tool the power tool I use the most is my cordless drill. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, and I also have a corded drill for kind of you know more powerful when more power is needed, more yeah, powerful jobs for the torque. But uh, yeah, drill is the basic number one thing, right? Uh, the other things that come to mind that are um, that I use every time I'm in the shop. Uh, a belt sander, mm-hmm. a Dremel. Yeah, I use my Dremel constantly. Yes, that's right on your bench. Yeah, which of course it fits, but uh, right close to hand. Yep, I have and my Dremel. I've got a. I can't remember what the neck extension thing is called, but there's like an extension. And it's flexible. Yeah, flexible it? shaft mm-hmm. extension where I can just you know hold the thing and do whatever I'm whatever I need to do with it. And then I've got it hooked up to a sewing machine pedal where I can control the speed oh. under my bench. Yeah, it's like a gas pedal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and belt sander is invaluable for shaping nuts and saddles and different pieces of wood. Now, is that um, mounted fixed, kind of like a table saw is a fixed mounted? Yeah, I've got a fixed like, mounted belt. Right. Not a handheld sander, right, but right, right. Just although I have those too. Yeah. But, yeah, bench top belt. Mm-hmm sander and if you're going to start getting into that you're pretty close to needing dust collection oh that's a great tip yeah and you don't have to break the bank i mean you can go to harbor freight and get pretty decent uh dust collection thing but uh that's a man that's a big deal you don't want to be breathing in bone dust and or any wood dust and no it really sucks it's not good uh solder fumes the same way you know yeah speaking of good speaking of which you need a good soldering iron there you go he may not have been thinking about that but no and i use a weller i think it's called a we uh i can't remember it's just a fancy uh digital digitally controlled a soldering station where the it has a separate little unit from the from the iron right the iron plugs right. into like a power a supply thing. power supply yeah and yeah. you can dial the temperature how you, where you want it um what else a scroll saw i use scroll saws a lot hmm yeah for little parts or for pick guards or for, for cutting all kinds of things Little things. Yeah, wood and plastic and parts and, yeah. Um, and they're not that expensive. And for little sawing jobs where you don't need a full-on bandsaw, because a real good 
band saw is expensive. Yeah, heavy and giant. And, yeah. Yep. Where a scroll saw is just a little tabletop thing that you can get away with sawing quite a bit of things with a scroll saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, a handheld plunge router is pretty good if you're going to be making electric guitars or... Fixing a gouged up Esquire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gross. Yeah. And a router is something, you know, like a, like, uh, you can kind of cheap out on some things, you know, you don't need to get the, the fanciest name brand, uh, drill drill or, 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 you know, belt sander, but router, I would get a good one. I wouldn't cheap out on your router. Okay. Yeah. What else? Uh, yeah, drill press is a is a big deal, but um, it's big and expensive, and you can get away without one for a long time. Uh, just by learning some tricks, you know, and learning really how to use your hand drill, uh, and learning how to true things up and make them. <clears throat> yeah. You know, plumb or yeah, whatever right, the yeah. term is. Yeah. What else? What else could I tell Brandon in the cornfield cornfields of Indiana? Yeah, gosh, that sounds idyllic. Sounds really nice. I bet it's cold there right now. Yeah, that's a pretty good list, though. Well, that's great, and I appreciate his perspective. He also thought of other people's concerns and learning in um, asking about these questions. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, if it's interesting to him, would it also be interesting to other people? Yep. Sure. If you're going to be doing finishing, a good spraying gun and a good oh, yeah. and a good buffing station. Oh, which is like two buffing wheels, is that right? Is that Well, a I have station? two buffing. I yeah. Or more. So most shops I've seen this a hundred times. Most shops will have a buffing station with two buffing wheels. One is for metal and one is for painted mm. surfaces because when you buff metal, it turns the buffing wheel black. Yeah. And then you don't want to go buff a white guitar with, with your oxidized with your, yeah, so. nickel or whatever the heck yeah. it is. Yeah. Huh. There you go. Good one. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, let's take a little break and we'll come right back with some emails. All right. After these messages, we'll be right back. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I I think it I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one. From playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool, I tell you what, it's gonna pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to playersgearmusic.com, scroll down on the main page, scroll, scroll, scroll down to where it says Fan of the Fret Files Podcast. You click that, that adds one to your cart. 
and it's 50 bucks off. So instead of 749, it's 699. 699, free shipping and it's yours. And next straightening iron, playersgearmusic.com has them and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just cut a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. I have a jazz master. It goes on. And the vibrato. (laughs) Well, congratulations. And the vibrato arm makes extra noise when I use it. Hmm. It clicks against the walls of the receptacle when I wiggle it to use the vibrata. That's how Grandpa would have said it. I have checked to make sure it is in all the way when I pull it in the, when I put it in the receptacle. It snaps into place but it just doesn't seem to be a very snug fit. I could wrap tape around it or some other hillbilly fix, but I'm wondering if you could suggest something a little more permanent. Thanks, Jay in Texas. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I uh, researched this problem a little bit because oh, I couldn't think of the answer off the top of my head. Uh, there's a fella on YouTube who showed me a great trick. Okay, and here we go. I'd tell you his name, but I don't remember it off the top of my head, and I think he made it up anyway. <laughs> this is from, if that is your real name, you yeah. might have said <clears throat> Yeah. Um, but you can take that tremolo arm, put it in a, in a vice. You have a vice, don't you? Yeah. That, not really a power tool, but kind of nice. Yeah. Giant clamp. Mm-hmm. Giant bench top clampy vice put that tremolo arm in a vice and uh you want to leave like i don't know an inch hanging out of the vice of the part that goes into the receptacle okay take your take a rubber mallet or a wood mallet or a hammer or something give it a little whack you don't want to you don't want to go nuts okay but give it a firm a wrap a firm wrap you don't you don't want to bend the crap out of it, but you do want to bend it just a tiny little bit. And what happens when you bend that just a little tiny bit, all of a sudden, it's going to fit way more snug mm-hmm. and tight in that receptacle. If you overdo it, then you want to put it back in the vice yeah. and <laughs> tap the other side. So you don't want to, you know, again, this is like an imperceptible bend in the... Yeah the part of the trem arm that goes into the hole. Huh. 
Just give it a tiny little bend. A little bit of percussive maintenance. That'll snug it up. Yeah. How about that? Well, that was a good tip. I'm glad you did a little research off Indeed. the books. Indeed. Good one. Let's try this. Hi, Eric and Nat. I just want to share a quick cautionary tale for amateurs like myself who love the information and inspiration you provide with the podcast. Thank you. But, caution part, sometimes come up a little bit short the first try. I just finished my most recent parts caster build, a T style, and was excited to wire it using your custom pinup four-way tele-wiring schematic oh, from your... My book. You've heard of it? Solid Sound Book. This fella bought my book. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And he inserted it into a question guaranteeing that we're going to get to it. Everything worked sort of except a horrible hum when touching the tone pot. Uh-oh. Really? Dang it. I figured it was definitely a grounding problem, but I <laughs> checked your schematic many times to confirm that I hadn't missed a grounding wire from the tone pot to anything else. I was puzzled why I couldn't make it work. Then it hit me. I built a thin line style with the pots mounted directly to the pickyard with no shielding, instead of the metal plate from a traditional telly, and as shown in your diagram, because mm-hmm. that's in your layout. Yeah. I added a ground wire in lieu of the ground provided normally by the plate, and voila. No more buzz. And all the positions work great. Lesson learned. Thanks, as always, for the great content. Eric and Both. Do we say Bothell? Bothell? Bothell. Just like that, huh? Bothell, Washington. Washington, man. Thanks, Eric. That's a great success story. It's cautionary, yeah. but also a little triumphant. Yeah. He did great. Yeah. Yeah, thin line tally would be like a Strat pit guard, kind of. Mm-hmm. And generally, you do... Now, I in the book, I tell you, I almost never shield guitar cavities because... I find that it's it, it doesn't really help that much and it's it's more prone to cause problems it introduces some problems yeah. yeah um if it if everything's not grounded properly it can cause hum if anything inside the cavity touches the walls at all then you can get shorting out you know if if the pot turns just enough to where one of the lugs hits the side of the cavity because those cavities can be pretty tight. So mm-hmm. I don't shield cavities. You definitely want to shield the pit guard. You want to put uh, some copper or aluminum, some metal foil tape on the underside of the pit guard. Okay. Almost always when you buy a pit guard for a, like a Strat or a thin line Tele, where it's a plastic pit guard, mm-hmm. electronics are mounted onto the pit guard. It, it will almost always have uh, some metal tape, basically, where you're going to mount the electronics. Yours, it sounds like, doesn't. So um, it should have worked because there should have been metal shielding tape underneath okay, yeah. on the underside of the pit guard. But you can get away without having it. <clears throat> but next time you've got that pit guard off, you might want to... You might want to put some shielding on the underside of the pit guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yes, anytime you've got a pot or a switch 
or a jack, it needs to be grounded. If it's not being grounded by being in contact with a metal plate, then you have to run a ground wire to it. Or if it's not being grounded by running to some kind of metal, you know, if it's mounted to the shielding tape on the underside of a, uh, like a strat pit guard. Plastic, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. All all parts must be grounded. You can't just be floating out there. Well, that's a good one. We learned some stuff. Well, thanks, Eric. Let me try this. Hi, Eric. I recently bought a 2008 Crook Telly. I found it had one of your pickups in the bridge. Got hmm. a bit of a mystery here. It has your signature and a 2022 date, raised G- D and G poles. Mm-hmm. Do you model these after a particular Tele pickup? It seems really clear with a lot of output. Hmm. Thanks for any info. Mike in Paragould, I hope, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, Mike. How interesting. I thought he was going to say, what's your pickup doing in this deal? But nope, he said... Tell well, me about the pickup. It happens. I mean, I send pickups all over the place. People or you can order pickups from me just by the mail, huh? So, uh, you know, there's plenty of guitars I didn't make that have my pickups in them. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that's what happened here. Somebody ordered a pickup from me and put it in their in their crook mm-hmm. crook deli, whatever that is. Uh, no, I don't really model them after any particular like, you know, uh, tele pickup or any particular year. I'm just aiming for the golden age of oh boy Fender pickups. So I try to use the best USA made Alnico rod magnets that I can find. And there's really only, I think, there's only two uh, U.S. manufacturers of mm. of Alnico anymore. So figure that out. But uh. I get the best Alnico I can find, and I use the best magnet wire I can find, which is era correct. I think it's still the same company making that same magnet wire. I get it from uh, uh, a company called Remington. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, for tele pickups, it's enamel-coated wire. For strap pickups, I use Formvar-coated wire. Yep. And, you know, I'm just trying to use the best components I can. And then I'm trying to hit a sweet spot of, uh, you know, like not too overwound, not too underwound. That's important. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then, and Nat knows because Nat helps me wind pickups quite often in the oh, shop. Oh, heck yes. He's he's wound. You bet. Gosh, you've probably wound hundreds of pickups, man. Maybe not that. Well, gosh, I guess I do two or three at a time. And it's been you've been doing it for years. Yeah. So, gosh, but, I might have done this one. Hope it works out okay for you. Nat <laughs> <laughs> winds great pickups, <laughs> but uh, you know, part of the to me, part of it is that they're wound by hand mm-hmm. and not yep. a machine, so you end up with a scatter wound That's thing, right. which I think makes them sound more musical. You know. I was thinking about that the other day, and I would assume that if there's much more variability, you have a much wider, not as sharp 
a peak in frequency emphasis because there's going to be some kind of resonance for for that yeah the the filter that's created between the inductance the capacitance and resistance and all that and so i would assume that if you have something more scatter wound than really tight machine wound lying right next to each other in a, a like a capacitor that you have a more even response sure which sounds well, it makes sense. I think that's what we'd want, right? Yeah, it makes sense in my mind. I think so, too. Because each, you know, each turn of the wire, the coating of the wire is super thin. I mean, Barely it is there. Barely there. It's just enough to keep the wire from shorting out against itself, right? Well, when, but, when all things are working great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, each wind of the wire is going on top of the previous wind, mm-hmm. and that introduces capacitance because that's what a capacitor is. It's two conductors sitting very, very close to each other. And what capacitance does in electrical circuits is it lets frequencies flow back and forth um, between the... um, uh, the, It's AC. The parts of the metal that aren't touching each other, right? Yeah. But uh, frequencies can flow through... The winding, and if you've got a really precision machine wound with very predictable uh, windings, it's going to have a different sound than scatter wound by hand because of those frequencies that are able to bleed through the windings. Yeah, and 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 that probably the predominant effect is any kind of capacitance, but also. There's the physical layout of this stuff. You know, how wide the coil is, how big the coil is. Sure. And those kind of effects that are changed with uh, scatterwound. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad that you liked my pickup, though. That's good. Yeah. Seems clear with a lot of output. That sounds ideal, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, for a telly, absolutely. Heck yes. All right, next question. Let me try this. Hi, Eric and Nat. I have a pinup custom T style guitar. Oh, thank you. Oh, and it is my fave instrument by far. The only problem is yes. I am primarily a bass player and don't get many calls for many guitar gigs. Mm. Boy, I know that feeling, bud. My question is, will we ever see a pinup bass mm. or be able to order some Eric Daw bass pickups? Hmm. Or has bass gone the way of the banjo? Oh, oh goodness, man. no. He's a longtime listener, first time caller. Yeah. Mike in Brooklyn, New York. Uh I'd like to make some basses someday. I don't Wouldn't have any plans. Cool? Yeah, I don't have any plans to do it right away, but yeah, I'd like to make like the original P bass, which later they mm-hmm. called it kind of the telly bass, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Yeah, I'd With love that to. Little little pickup right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. Mm-hmm. They're super cool. Uh, no, I don't have any plans to, but never say never because I've oh, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Yeah, uh, how could you not? Those are cool. But yeah, you know, if you wanted me to make a bass pickup, I could. You just, I could make really. Sure, I could make P-bass, jazz-bass, tele-bass pickups, whatever you want. Yeah. Just reach out. That's great. See? It's not like a banjo. Now you just got to ask. Yeah, good one. All right. Thank you, Mike. Let me try this. 
Hello, Eric. I just bought one of your strap builds used, but the trem arm didn't come with it. Can I buy one from you? Or can you let me know what the hardware is so I can source the right bar? Mm. Thanks, Craig in Massachusetts. Mm. Hi, Craig. You know, I I think any standard USA thread trim arm will work in there. Um, What I... Yeah. Those are threaded and not like the previous Jazzmaster or whatever. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if you want to know exactly what that is, I I use Goto. Uh, Okay. I I use Goto. um, G-O-T-O-H. G-O-T-O-H. Let me see if I can find a part number for that uh, because... Live on the air. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Go for it. Here we go. Be helpful. It's a GE-101TS. For go- the actual tremolo arm. Yeah, that's the, the, whole, that's unit. the whole unit. Okay. Um, I don't know if they sell a separate trem arm. But yeah, it's a Goto GE-101TS. And it says right here that uh, it's standard, you know, even though this is Japanese made, it's standard USA thread. There you go. That's so, a good lead. Pretty much any USA thread strat trim should work in there, buddy. Good one. Give it a shot. Yeah, that'll work. Hi, Eric. I see that your book is now being carried by Stumac. That's correct. Stuart McDonald. Yep. It's a pretty big deal. Happy to see that, but should I order from them or should I order from you? I have been dragging my feet too long on picking one up. Thanks, Mitch in California. Well, thanks, Mitch. I appreciate it. Whatever's easiest for you. I'll tell you, I make more money if you order it from me. I think that's what he's gently asking, and, and that's nice. if you wanted to be nice, yes, you could order it from me. Hmm. If you're a Stumac uh, member, <clears throat> if you're a wholesale account holder, or if you have Stumax, which is their membership thing where you get free shipping throughout the year. Wow. My book is 11 bucks. Whoa. Yeah, if you have a Stumac account, a wholesale account or a, I think it's called Stumax. Yeah. Their membership thing. Because that book's 22 bucks, And they sell books for 50% off. Holy And cow. I'm telling you what. How's anybody I'll making just, money? I'll just tell you that that's about what they paid for them. So <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what's in it for them. I don't know why they're ordering books for me and then selling them at basically the same price. But that's okay. If that's yeah. what they want to do, I'm okay with that. But if you want a good deal and you are on Stumac's website and you're ordering some parts anyway and you want to snag one up for 11 bucks, man, I'm telling you what, it's a better deal than you'll get from me. But if you want to be nice, you can order it from me yeah. too. SolidSoundBook.com. They were out of stock for a while, Stumac. Ooh. Oh, yeah. not not worldwide. Okay. They sold out. No, yeah, we're, yeah, they sold like, out. You have to go to second printing. No, no, no. I have plenty of books. Oh, okay. Stu- they Stu- were they were out of stock because they ordered a certain amount. They Big burned old. through them. Zipped right through. In like two weeks. Whoa. Yeah, I was impressed. Whoa, it's shooting up the charts. And so they've ordered another batch, and I think they, I think they just got them. So they have them in stock now. 
Well, so, how neat. So clean them out, and then when they, they go out of stock again, you can order from me. Yep, you know a guy. Good one. Okay. Love the podcast. No greeting, just right into it. I've listened forever. Here's my thing. I want to wire up a two humbucker telly and get the Peter Green thing out of it. Here's how I want to do it. Oh, not just that. He wants to do it a certain way. I want to put both volumes on a stacked concentric pot <coughs> and a push-pull pot doing the tone and phase reversal on one pickup. Huh. And a three-way blade switch. It'll fit on a standard telly control plate and look pretty much like a standard telly. Okay. But when the switch is in the middle position... I'll be able to pull up the tone knob and do all the Peter Green phasey stuff with the stacked volumes. I'd be interested to try it out. Uh, yeah, to try it out in a single coil telly with hottish pickups too. If you've got the diagram in your book, I'll just cut to the chase and buy it. If not, would you kindly run the brain cells over it for me? That's what it says. Thank you. Brett in Australia. That's why he's got phraseology that we don't share. Ah, uh, yes. Thanks, Brett. So these are two no's. No, it's not in my book. <laughs> and no, I won't design a custom circuit for you. What about for Peter Green? Sorry. So I get a lot of emails like this, and I included this one in the podcast just to pick on uh, Brett just for fun. And Brett, we love you. It's nothing personal. But I get a lot of requests. People say, hey, I bought your book, or hey, I heard you know about this. I want to wire my guitar to do this following thing. Mm -hmm. And then a paragraph about push-pull pots and all this nonsense. Sorry. Phasey stuff. I, you know, if you want me to sit down and diagram out a schematic for your guitar, um, that's custom work, and I would charge for that if I would be willing to do it, but I'm not. If your guitar's on my bench, yeah. Oh, I'll wire it up however you want. Then we can and I'll map out a schematic for it, and we can accomplish what, what it is that you want to do. But, no, if you're on the other side of the world and you just want me to email you a schematic just for funsies, I, I don't have that kind of time, sorry. But I appreciate you writing in, and I appreciate your interest. You should buy my book anyway. Yeah. But you probably won't. <laughs> but you should, probably should. And uh, there's blank schematics in the back oh, without yeah. any wires on them, so you can diagram your own schematics. How fun. Yes, and you just copy them off. Or, you know, you can put them, you can copy off dozens and map out your own diagrams, or you could put it in a uh, plastic sheet protector and use a dry erase marker. Oh. In... This yeah. is, I've heard what some people are doing. Yeah. And map out your own schematics. Make Just your own custom electronics. But no, there is nary a push-pull pot in my entire book. Well, the, is there any phasey stuff? Oh, yes. Well, could he apply some of that phasey stuff to the Peter I Green? I do think my book would help you. But, there you go. But the exact schematic you're talking about is not in the book. No, not the old stacker and the flipper and the hot-ish. Thanks, Brett. Good one, though. All right, let's try this. Hi, Eric. Thanks for sticking with the podcast. Oh, that's nice. That's a great lead-in. I know you've had some moments of despair over the last several years. Whoa. I know. It hits right at it. People are listening, dude. 
This is a great one. I turn people on to it all the time. You do a great job. Your podcast is the best thing out there on guitars. Uh, Anonymous. Well, how tender and touching. <coughs> That's awesome. I do appreciate that. <clears throat> That's wonderful. Well, there's been moments, you know. Yeah, there's been moments, and I... yeah. I it did cross my mind to stop doing the podcast at times. But, you know, I want to keep it going. It helps me probably more than anyone. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that you all enjoy it and I love to hear from you and I love to hear something like this. This is great. Yeah. Pe- people are listening, dude. I turn people on to it all the time, he says. Yeah. So, I appreciate it very much. And I appreciate you listening. Least I could do. Oh yeah! If you want to participate in the show, and uh, I'd love it if you would. So would Nat. Nat, would you I love would. it? Nat, I would. Nat, and I know sometimes that's directed right at me. Nat yes. would love it. I would love it. You bet. Uh, if you want to participate, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and fire off a little email there. It as part of the show. The other way to do it is call or text 757 774 8482. That's 757 774 8482. You just call that number and leave a message. It's that easy. And then I'll use that as part of the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks.